Welcome to the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. Get ready to go behind the scenes with Amanda Flaker and listen in on private conversations she's had with powerful creators who are building the new world, as well as her thoughts on the Abundance Matrix. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. Today I am sharing with you an excerpt from my lit course. Um, One of the things that we focus on in this course is the elements. And this, I talk about the synergy between the elements. And in this particular video, I was channeling about fire and air. And when I re-listened to it, I was just like, this I'm just meant to share this. I'm meant to share this beyond the class. So I wanted to share it here on my podcast because I feel like I have a suspicion that a lot of you will resonate with this particular channeling. So I'd love to hear from you if it does resonate. And without further ado, here's everything I channeled about fire and air. You can't talk about fire without talking about air. You can't talk about air without talking about fire. The synergy between the two are interdependent. And I think it's interesting when we're thinking of our elements and aspects of ourselves, when we're feeling creative, for example, which is an intangible thing. But when I say the creative spark, the creative flame, when you see a flame and you hear the word creativity, how does that shift your perception of it? Does it make it more embodied? Does it, is there a deeper understanding of creativity through symbol, a symbol that is connected to the elements? This is the realm. By the way, I'm walking around and moving around in a lot of these, so it's just like the way, sometimes movement helps spirit move through me in such a different way. Um, There's something right here in air and fire. And I think specifically often when we are connected to fire, we think of our deeper bodily connections to creativity. Like this, I think it's, for me, it's easy to think of sensuality and fire. It's easy to think of like cozy in the body being very bodily. But when the mind comes in, which we're talking about air energy, or when you think of air, it's out, it feels like outside of the body. Like we need air. Air comes from the outside. It lights things up. And it's our creative fire, our creative spark, that when we take the deep, deep life-giving breaths into our molecular structure, when we take deep life-giving breaths into our life, into our creative energy. We are infusing it with more life, more expansion. We're making more room for it, essentially. And there's, I I think it's interesting when I tuned into this synergy between fire and air, I'm amazed at how separate they seemed to me, almost like two separate categories, but even that we know just from the elements on earth and how they work, that fire needs air. Fire needs air. So it's an interesting space to start. Fire and air. Okay, so air. Feeling constricted of your breath. Connected to not 
receiving deep enough, not receiving mental insight, not receiving witness that includes the mind and the heart, the understanding itself that's connected to context and story. So air, breath, ideas, the mind, everything connected in this space. Air, breath, ideas, the mind. So when we're working with the mind, consciously bring in air, consciously commune with air. Call in the air. This is a powerful way to pivot depending on what we're doing. So if we're in a creative mind, in a creative zone, but we our creativity is expressed through the downloads that we receive, which is true for most of us who are in this <laughs> taking this experiment, doing this experiment. When we receive downloads, there's a mental connection to it. And when we are blocked, when, when our downloads are blocked or get sideways, what I've personally found is that mind energy can, like imagine a strong gust of wind. There's very strong psychic trends and psychic thought. And I, when, I, when I did the live on um, the Zoom call on Monday, to, which is today, <laughs> um, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, but when I did the, the Zoom call on Monday, I, I talked about when there's a lot of people that think and think the same way and ritualistically do the same thing, it's a way of coding. It codes our reality. It primes the reality you want. It codes it. It prepares people for it. Most people don't take um, authority here or even a preference here. Most people don't even take up their preference or authority because they don't know they can have a say in how things feel. And so our creative energy ends up, our, our specifically the mind, the downloads that come, like the ideas that come from more of the sword energy, not the fire creativity, but the, the air. It can get swept away in these psychic trends. And it, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think it's important to know that Part of deciding or um, discovering what our preference is is to enter into different thoughtscapes and feel it out. And if, if we're aware of how we feel and we track with it and we pivot to our preference, what we do is we get the code and then we make it our own. The code of whatever called us in or, or often it's our curiosity that gets us taken away in psychic trends and I find that true for me is certain thoughts will stimulate ideas and questions and then you go down rabbit holes and and what I realized though is that in the moment especially for me so getting back to your channeling energy when or your downloads when you receive when you're working specifically with the mind there's something about how in the moment when you're channeling strong psychic thought that comes towards you can influence you. And this is where I realized I've had so many realizations of how powerfully psychic we are humans in general, but especially working with other empaths who do this kind of work and creative people. And what I realized is that 
when I do lives, for example, when I did the tantric entrepreneur experiment, and it was ultimately, I was just live every week and I would just channel, but I invited everybody to be a part of the channeling, like to literally um, show up multidimensionally and that it was a psychic conversation that I was essentially channeling for our group. And what I learned through that experience is, oh, A, it's, it's, if I can allow myself to get in, if we can allow ourselves to get into a space where we're totally led by our urge, so much powerful expansion happens. It's different than momentum. It creates momentum. It's different than speed. It's different than how thoughts work. It's expansion. And there's something about getting tantric mentally. So if you're thinking of air energy, Think of how usually in tarot, for example, with the swords suit, which also represents air, it's often considered more cold. Like the queen of swords is more cold. The queen of cups is more generous and, and loving and open and, and more heart-centered. And so often we, we think we have this even cultural association with thoughts being more cold because often to be able to think clearly, we need to be objective. But I also think this is something that happened in duality in the lack matrix where we where we felt we had to be separate, like our mind, where we believed at a core level that our mind and our hearts were separate, our mind, heart, and body are not all connected. And so I think the coldness that can often be associated with clear thought and activated mental stimulation, mental energy, is, is actually when we are thinking in mimic when we're thinking in mimic programs that have already been done over and over again, and it's not our creative urge or our curiosity that's calling us in, but it's habit and specifically habitual psychic thinking from the collective, this is where we are breaking free from when we allow our preference to have not just a say, but we pivot towards our preference. It's what leads us. Obviously, with wisdom and um, discernment, which is important, but pivoting towards our preference, even if let's say we pivot a little this way and then we're like, nope, that's not right either. Then we pivot back this way a little bit. The point is if we're awake and alive to our preference and we pivot continually, we will hone in and fine tune. We will, we will hone into our specific heaven on earth frequency. It's inevitable. We've just never allowed pleasure to lead it to that extent. So, Mental energy, when you, think of, when you think of mental energy, when you think of thoughts, when you think of swords, when you think of the suit, I want to encourage everyone to infuse it with more of the fire. So the air and fire, there's a train going by right now. Um, but think about how air and fire are, they go together. The air stokes the fire and the, the fire likes to be stimulated by the air. So ultimately what I'm saying here is that our creative energy and our our thought mental energy, as with all things, are deeply sensually connected. This is where psychic arousal comes in. And again, this is, I think that people are more um, opened 
to feeling better and relaxing and receiving because scientifically we absolutely know it's essential to thriving and and wellness and that when we don't do that we actually cause problems for ourselves and others it's a it, it we we quite literally cause society to be overloaded and the people who end up giving getting overloaded well everybody gets overloaded we all just get overloaded in direct correspondence to where our where we overgive so when it when we allow ourselves to I, I like the word that's coming through is um what is it it's sapo saposexual am I saying it correctly where you're turned on by by intelligence and I would say there's an even there's another word that is not just being turned on by intelligence because there's a type of intelligence that that can be mimicked. It's like if you can memorize things or learn quickly. And that's also where, um, where you just end up sort of being like a data, like just a computer where you can spout data. And it's not that it's less than or more than or anything. It's just that I think that's where the idea of the coldness comes in with mental stimulation. And we often don't associate fire with air. But when we allow ourselves to be psychically aroused that something that stimulates our interest in the unseen and what we typically don't look at because remember all sleight of ha- all sleight of hand occurs through diversion of attention and often the diversion is so subtle and the sleight of hand happens in such a subtle way that nothing's actually seen and then we live in a world that says if well if you can't see it then it didn't exist or it doesn't exist. And that's why we intuitively know that things that don't exist, that don't, are things that we can't see, still exist. Wind, air, thought, all in that same realm. So again, it's, this is more about looking at all the ways that these symbols have a vibrational reality in our resonance and it they take up energy in different ways depending on how we think about them and there's something about just tuning in to I think for a lot of us it's going to be downloads that are coming huge downloads that end up like setting us free because a lot of times people who channel or who are highly sensitive or who are highly creative in a multidimensional way, discernment is so important for us. And and I think by this time, most of you have probably realized that discernment is key. And, and, and there's, I think the last three years, especially the last year has been refining people's discernment and at least at the very least in the collective, the general collective where psychic trends take place, there's a conversation happening about discernment, even if the word discernment is not necessarily the one being used. Maybe it's critical thinking, which is still only part of it. It still puts the mind over there. Even using the word critical, it implies that we have to be cold or not, or unfeeling, or uncaring, in order to see things clearly. And then the anomaly that I am sparking here is that actually the more 
in communion we are with the moment, the more open, the more there's something about communion that's essential because remember how I've said multiple times that, well, I don't know if I've said it in this class, but I think most of you who are in here have followed me and probably heard this before, but that we, we can't have communion without sovereignty and we can't have sovereignty without what we're doing here, which is honing our craft, our preference, knowing what our what our vote, our vote even is, knowing what our preference even is, knowing what we actually truly want. And most of us, when we've been in survival mode our whole lives, especially, I think it's shifting for new souls coming onto the planet. But I think especially for people who, who, you know, are in their thirties and older, even 20, late twenties and older there, we collectively, it was not a psychic trend. It was maybe becoming more and more, but it was not a psychic trend to care about how you feel and care about how others feel so much. And um, I want to say that obviously that's always, that's a popular idea, but the way that I mean it is to, to put your preference first. I think that idea was used in the lack matrix to manipulate people in guilting people and like a good person would do this. And a lot of, I think what a lot of us in here have been working on most of our lives is boundaries. The deeper and next level to boundaries is preference. That's the next level that's not taught because it's still a a strong psychic trend or sleight of hand or distraction to convince us that following our pleasure or allowing our urge or expanding our urge or pivoting towards our preference is somehow selfish or wrong or evil even. And it, it, this is where all of the anomaly must take place. And that's why the main anomaly here of this entire practice, like what I'm hoping that all this information gives and take in as little or as much as you want, but that you get permission on every level, bodily permission, mental permission, and emotional permission to move towards your preference. And actually that your deepest preference includes all three of those. It doesn't separate them. They're not separate needs. Your heart doesn't have separate needs than your mind. And your mind doesn't have separate needs than your body at the, at the essence, at the core. They have different ways that those, they all have different ways in which those core needs are met. But the core need is the same. It's witness at a core level because we are relational. And if nothing's witnessing us, then we are alone. This is where all the anomaly is taking place. So air, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling air and fire together in this particular channeling because, and I didn't even realize when I hit record that that is exactly what was going to come through, but we're working a lot with symmetry here and synergy and weaving and preference. So even I would be amiss if I didn't create this course entirely according to my preference. And I am seeing now why it didn't work. Not that it didn't work, but every other iteration I've done up to this point was me pivoting towards my preference. Well, yeah, I like this, but it it needs to feel a little bit more like this. And I think that what I'm realizing, especially it helps me to have people in it and to feel your psychic um, connection with me and the way you're moving through the material. Because I know right now it's like a lot of admin stuff and, and info and whatever, but I think there's 
a lot of incredible activations awaiting you. And when I feel into that, when I feel into the activation that we're all um, lighting up in this experiment is that it feels like clarity and that clarity feels like fire and air is what is like the essence of it. And if we think about it, a flame can't exist without air anyway. So of course they go hand in hand. Of course they're married. So take that analogy and, and really allow it in, in a molecular way, in a, in a psychic way, in a coded way that your creative energy is deeply psychic and your psychic energy is deeply creative. And that connection is wanting to be more evident to you so that you can weave with it in your preference. If you believe they're separate or one, if we, first of all, if we believe they're separate, then we prioritize things in a different way. And that's what makes us feel like we're always missing something. When we know they're connected and then we urge from that connection, that's what creates the art. So the last thing that I want to say is that when I was doing the tantric entrepreneur experiment, what I loved is that the premise of it was anytime, and I wish I would have said this in the beginning, this is why I'm doing this first run of this course, because I'll, I'll be able to make the entry so much more smoother, um, in the future. So thank you guys all so much for being, for, for, um, just being willing to take a risk and just try something. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, so allowing ourselves what I did in that course when that experiment it was also an experiment and I kept wanting to call it a course as well and that's when spirit was like no this is nothing spirit was literally like because I was like I don't want to create anything I don't want to create a course I don't want to create content and spirit was like well then just channel that's your gift anyway and just like have a space to channel and have a topic to channel about and just let it come through and that is a powerful part of my gift And it was the first time I had ever experimented with this concept of the whole idea was the only thing I asked of anybody is that when they come in, they didn't think of it as me giving them information, but as us having a psychic conversation. And I was giving it words and articulating it. And I asked everybody to be very conscious about how they were showing up in that psychic conversation. Because um, I think this course in particular, it's not, I don't, it's not for beginners in the sense of if you're, if you're struggling with, um, just all the basics, like what's an empath and how do I use my gifts and all those things, which I don't think any of you are, but if for some reason you're listening to this and that's where you're, where you're at, it's okay to take this in little small chunks and even, and even just let it unweave in your life and however it's meant to, because what, what I'm, urging for really is the activation of our sovereignty so that we can have communion. And that means that every one of us has to show up in the material with however you interact with it, whether it's anytime you go onto the group page or click on a video, you are imprinting the psychic conversation that we're all a part of. And that's the part that we don't normally pay attention to, especially when we're in these sort of dynamics, which by the way, the very dynamic of of a teacher student creates that. And that's why it's like, it's an experiment. And there's even mentor. Like I used to call myself a mentor, but I'm realizing I, there's something else. And I think that has a place, but there's, and I, and I will have that, but in this sort of space, 
it's different. It is creating a space and creating permission and creating triggers and activations for people to pivot towards their preference. And the only way that I can do that for us, for me, and for this space is if I choose my preference along the way, every step of the way. And I'm realizing that's why spirit was like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't let me just, I wanted to just create it and have it be done and not even have to really interact so that it could just be done. But the truth is, spirit was like, well, you, the whole point is communion. The whole point is sovereignty. The whole point is pivoting towards your preference. So this is an amazing opportunity to see where you're at for all of us. How you feel in relation to this experiment or to me or to others in the space or even to the Mighty Network, and I want to take it this far, I want us to be this aware of it, that it all has a psychic pattern, that it has a psychic um, signal that goes out. And especially when we're in a space where there are other very sensitive people, others feel it. And there is also, ironically, and I didn't even know this because I actually don't follow astrology super closely. I, I am interested and I've just studied it at my own timing really slowly and just according to my own urge. I'll go through periods where I'm, I'm more into it than others, but I don't always follow the main celestial events that are happening. And I, speaking of correspondence, this was so interesting because every time I've ever, I've ever become aware of what's going on in the celestial world, it always corresponds insanely to what I'm experiencing. So it acts as more of a confirmation rather than a predictor of what's going to happen. That's just how astrology seems to always show up in my life. And I meant to write it that way for, for, for now. Um, nonetheless, one of you that someone who's in this group told me today that Um, and I didn't even realize it. She she wasn't even telling me. She was just saying she's starting tomorrow. So today's Monday, the 11th, the the day I did the first call. Um, she's starting tomorrow and I feel like most of us are technically like actually starting really next week in the sense of having a, a routine down, but starting tomorrow in terms of the tuning in and, um, the morning night thing, listening to subliminals, all the, all the suggestions I put out for the challenge. Um, but nonetheless, she said, I'm starting tomorrow, which is Tuesday the 12th. And 11-12 is, by the way, a, a, a gateway number. When we are 11, I think it's interesting that um, Harry Potter, like you don't go to Hogwarts until you're 11. That's the age you start going to school to learn magic. There's something about that number that's a gateway number. And also 12, it, historically in stories and a lot of our myths and epics and even anecdotally, like me personally and with people I know, age 12 is often, especially for people who are developed, who are here to, what is it that I even want to say? We're, we're creating a new world and it, that involves a new language, a new, re, a new way of being, a new way of talking about how we're being, a new way of relating to each other, a new vocabulary that goes with that. What I've found is that to even access that this is a desire within humanity is often we are experience deep psychic trauma and usually around age eight, I mean, sorry, age 11 to 12 is when it manifests most age eight 
of course that came up because eight is also even numerologically and in many traditions, very significant in a person's journey, especially their spiritual journey. So age eight is like in Mormonism, the, the culture I grew up in, age eight is like the age of accountability where you, you, it's said that you can, you can, um, recognize more, they say it right and wrong, but I want to say when, what I feel is that age eight is when your preference start comes in, coming online your your preference that's connected to your eternal calling like your that sounds so mormon I, and i i actually have never been mormon my whole family was i'm the only one in my of all my siblings that was never baptized i'm the youngest i went until i was about 8 so for me i thought i was going to get baptized cuz i was going to the lds church at that time i never went to my parents church they had already left which was like a break off group from the mormons and 8 is when my mom became like a born again Christian and left Mormonism altogether. So then she took me to a Christian church, like a non-denominational Christian church. But the point is eight was significant. I thought I was going to get baptized, baptized there. And instead we let, I like, I was taken out of that, that, that path. And I've multiple times seen a timeline where I was super Mormon and then left the church and this whole drama thing, like where I'm not dramas in a, um, insulting way, but just like, I followed those same exact, the same course. I just wasn't, I just wasn't Mormon, but there's something about, um, I think for a lot of us, a big part of our story involves or involved when we were younger, especially 11 and 12 or anywhere between eight, but these significant, significant ages. And it might be really interesting to look at what happened when you were eight. What was, what were any like, and sometimes they're very subtle, by the way, oftentimes just, they don't have to be huge. Like for me, my mom dying at age 12 to huge in the sense of everyone recognizes it and acknowledges that that's, you know, people know that's a big deal. But often these significant shifts are so happened in such subtle psychic realms. I I think that it's it's it involves such nuanced psychic ability that is connected to our gifts, which is connected to communion. So it's relational at its core. It's like a deep wounding in relationship. So that can play out in a multitude of different ways. And I, 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 even in this moment, I'm feeling like for some people it's, um, I, I, you know, what's interesting is that the second I went, went there, I put a light around me cause I just wanted to make sure I was having discernment about what I said. And then it, it like went out of my mind. So, um, I'll just trust that that'll come back around once it's been transmuted in the light. Um, but nonetheless, there's this significant psychic trauma, psychic trauma, which again, remember psychic is our creative abilities and our mental stimulation, psychic arousal. Our, it's, it's, I feel like our psychic arousal is where our deep, deepest creative energy is um, communing with because our deepest creative energy is not only so personal to our unique frequency, our unique code, our unique DNA, our unique story, our unique soul story. It's such, it's such a fingerprint. I keep saying that it's, it's so unique to you, which is why it won't work to mimic someone else's thing, which is also why 
I'm, I'm wanting to give you permission from the beginning of this is the point is to make it your own. And the structure is to give you context, to give you something to like learn against. This, this feels good, this doesn't. I'm going to pivot, pivot, pivot with the same intention, which is honing my craft. So whatever moves me more towards psychic arousal with my gifts, particularly because everyone in here, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us are entrepreneurs or use our gift in some way in our reality that's that that's a it's 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 like wanting to take up more space in our reality we because there's a deeper urge there's a deep urge for a more intuitive instinctual embodied connection to our gifts it's it's connected to the timeline shifting because it's connected to people anchoring down into a new reality unapologetically. And it it's, doesn't have anything to do with going to war with the world you don't want. The anomaly is, and the habit to train ourselves to do, which is actually, quote unquote, the work, is to pivot towards the world we do want. And that can be difficult when our lower chakras are plugged into the lack matrix, which is the sacrifice paradigm, through fear, guilt, and shame. And so that's what viscerally pulls us and ends up having the most dominant resonant in our physical being. Even though I think that's why for a lot of us, we've maybe for years been free mentally, like got out of the matrix mentally in the sense of just don't believe it, not controlled by it and not controlled by it intellectually like zombie mode. But there's a, there, I feel like there's a deep, um, internal integration with the body because your beingness shifts how you be how you be how you are being how you are expressing yourself how you are relating to others the narrative you tell moment to moment in those small moments That's where all the mess is. So many humans have gotten very good at looking like they have all their shit together, looking perfect, following like it's, I, when I realized it's, it's a skill I didn't have as a kid because we were in survival mode, but the more I've gotten more stable and stable, I realized, oh yeah. And I'm in Utah County, which is the massive code for like, make it look good, you know, like have this sheen on it, regardless of what's actually going on and, or how people authentically feel. And I was trained in that, but I had such a, a, I couldn't, I couldn't mimic because I just couldn't not feel what I felt. I just couldn't not, I just couldn't not. When my mom died, so that significant age, that 12, for me, it was 12, 11, basically 11 to 12 is when she was dying and she died right after I turned 12. So there was this significant, and and meanwhile, she knew she was dying. I didn't know the extent of it. So she and I were creating this, this, powerful psychic connection that whole time and energy was getting transmuted of course I didn't know that until way later like and I'm talking in this last year and still understanding the full extent of what happened there psychically and I'm telling this story because I'm I feel almost certain that almost everybody listening to this has a corresponding thing that happened in its own complete unique equation but what happened but but on a psychic level my mom and I were building this strong psychic transmutation type of 
energy. And I, and, and now I realize we, we planned that from the get go. I always, we, we came in knowing that was going to happen. That wasn't surprising to our souls. It was surprising to our physical being, our physical like, um, identity, but our souls knew it, which is why after she died, so much of me opened there, but I couldn't do the mimic program because it was right at that time when you're, um, going through puberty. I went into junior high right after that. And I, they're just the, all the changes and I'm becoming aware of the culture more because I grew up in such a, an isolated box. I grew up in, within, uh, in a bubble within a bubble because Utah County is already a bubble. And I grew up in a bubble inside of that bubble because my parents were polygamist. And so there, there's, I, I, and I had no idea the extent of all of this. So my whole point is the reason I was able to develop the psychic awareness that I have is because of that, because of how, what I experienced as a kid and how it shaped me. Because what I saw is that if none of that would have happened, I was on track to be like deeply in the mimic program and an influencer in the mimic program like a a grid holder because there's so many times I'm like, I get the tech. I could, why I like, I understand how mimic works. And there's sometimes I just, I can mimic enough to like pass. But the truth is, is that I never really can be in the inn of the mimic club because, which I always took as like a painful thing. And I'm sure so many of you in whatever your, the, your version is of this story of, of where you just didn't feel a part of you, you weren't connected. So it caused trauma. There's, there's a, I, I just lost what I was just about to say, but what I realized is that I never was able to develop this. Is, yeah, this is what I was going to say. We were, whatever your psychic equation is of this, we were never able to develop an ability to go into mimics so deeply that we had that we could just bypass how we felt because how we felt was the dominant reality and i i'm sure a lot of you know now because most of us are you know in our 30s or older what it's like to lose someone but when i was 12 not anyone in my reality in my peer group had loved or lost anybody and and it, it was such a, um, that immediately, it, it just, I, it instantly felt completely different than everybody else. And, and then also I didn't know anybody else that particularly had my beliefs, you know, I wasn't raised Mormon. So again, you have your own equation of this, but do you see how where age 11, 12, that whole time, 13 is where we really, I think, integrate a lot of shadow and a lot of shadow magic comes in, which also a lot of guilt comes in at that time. That's where society um, really wants to get in with the mimic program to control our sexual creative energy. So this is just defining times. And I would even go so far as to say that most of us in here are probably working in this grid, 8, 11, 12, 13, these strong imprints that happened in those age periods, which is four stability foundations. There's something about, there's something about the weaving um, of these timelines. And remember how I said, what we're doing is communing, not just with the now, but we're calling in the past 
and we're calling in the future to be transmuted in the now. So find what hits for you and where. Where's your main, like, that's, for me, that's my fault line space. And it it took me years, and and even still I'm understanding it on a deeper level. Of I, I, I internalized it my whole life. I felt like something was deeply wrong with me because I didn't know how to just be normal or just fit in or be popular or be like happy or I I had no idea how to do it and I wanted so bad to do it because everyone around me just seemed shiny with it and of course now I didn't realize the difference in support I didn't realize what it what difference even just having two parents in the home was I didn't I didn't realize the difference between people who whose mom was there versus who mom whose mom wasn't there Again, all of this is connected to context, which is what we're developing when we develop our discernment and particularly our wisdom, the air energy. It's where that cold observation, like scientist unfeeling energy is is shifted into wisdom that comes from witness to being able to see within context, which is what witness is. That's why witness is such the getting the data, witnessing ourselves is so key. 